Welcome to an episode of About to Drop, a podcast where I interview indie artists about new music they're about to release. I'm your host, Baro Avad, aka Vertigo. I'm a pop producer that works with indie artists and songwriters to create, record, and release new music. I've found that I have a lot of similar conversations with newer indie artists I work with, and I thought it'd be useful for us to hear about other artists' processes, struggles, stories, and best practices. Hopefully you find something useful for your own career, and at the very least, find a new artist whose music you can check out. If you'd like to be featured on an upcoming episode, please go to www.vrtigomusic.com forward slash podcast. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of About to Drop. I'm here with John Wolf. How are you doing today, buddy? Doing really well. Glad to be here. Um, thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Um, so yeah, why don't we just jump right into uh, into you? Um, why don't we start with like uh, you know the very beginning? Like when did you start playing music? Where are you from? And uh, how did you get here? Yeah, for sure. So um, I'm originally from the Philadelphia area. I'm what at least in that area, is lovingly referred to as a burb kid, which means you need to take at least one highway to get anywhere important. Um, and I started out the way most people do who get into music. Uh, in elementary school, they throw a whole bunch of instruments in front of you, uh, at least here stateside, and make, make you kind of pick whether or not you want to play an instrument or not. Um, of the instruments that were kind of thrown in front of us, um, I really enjoyed and started playing trumpet um, and, and excelled at that for a while. Um, I'd always wanted to play more instruments, so in junior high, I started playing guitar. Um, was in a couple of bands, nothing that big. Had a couple of really bad shows where the sound guy was pretty terrible, oh, yeah. um, and it inspired me to going to school for music because... If, if that guy is going to do <laughs> that little uh, for what really mattered to me, um, I should probably go and fix that. Um, and I got into school, a uh, big music program, so you had to audition. I got in on guitar and kind of put away my trumpet days. Um, now I play guitar and bass, but I'll, I'll pick it out occasionally. It's, it's been neat. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I, there's, there's a bunch of stuff to unpack. First of all, wh- what burb? Okay, so I'm from uh, a town called Souderton. It's uh-huh. in the Lansdale-ish area, if you know anything about what's going on in Philadelphia. Yeah, so I, uh, I'm i from New Jersey. I lived in Philly for five years, and I live in New Hope oh, right cool. now. Yeah, okay. Then, then Yeah, you definitely know yeah. <laughs> Lansdale in that area. That's uh-huh. so funny. If I was visiting my parents, we should get a beer or something. I'm basically for, for right real, man, there. Hit me up. Yeah, well, I'll, I would definitely do that. Awesome. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, did you, you – you said you played in, in bands and stuff like that. Did you play out in, in Philly at all or was it more in like the, the Lansdale area? Um, I played in the Lansdale area primarily for that, a little bit in Quakertown. Um, one of the bands I was in was a church praise band for a while and then um, a couple other bands with some local buddies who mm-hmm. – they always had bands and had some rotating members. I was yeah. one of those rotating members for a while, so yeah. What uh, what bands did you play in? I, I'd be curious if like I I know them because I used to play in a in a few bands and we used to play like all in the area too. So we, maybe we cross paths. Okay, so um, 
Vince Corvino was the main guy in charge of his group that had a couple of different names. I'm trying to remember them all. Uh, Killing Helen, they went by for a while. Mm-hmm. I was in a weird cover band version of that that we called ourselves Mom's Friendly Robot Company after the <laughs> Futurama sketch, right? Um, uh, there was a time there was this little project called Instant Awesome, but it fizzled out almost as quickly as it came together. Uh, we were really good at naming things. It's a good day, Not yeah. as great at being a band. Um, had a really cool logo, too, but... Clearly, a logo does not a music career make. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there there's a couple others that I'm just not thinking of right now. But those were those were some of the things I did the most. Um, a lot of it was just solo stuff, uh, and with my passion for the studio, kind of playing all of the instruments and creating some soundscapes, getting a few things out there that. Nothing really gained some traction, but it was cool when people were like, hey, I heard your thing the other day. Um, and that's been the vast majority of my music career for a mm-hmm. while. It's just been that. We'll get into that later, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, we, we can, again, there's like no format, so go off on a tangent, tangent if you want. Sure. Well, um, it was kind of an interesting start where it was just these little things. And then, um, I don't know. I felt like I should be a responsible adult and put way too much of the things that mattered to me on the back burner. Uh, I continued creating music and putting it out through like Bandcamp and Gemendo, if anybody remembers that service. <laughs> it, it's, it, it was one of the first like open source music services where if you just wanted people to hear your stuff, it started to involve things like Creative Commons licensing as opposed to copyright where um, it was a lot more about just getting it out there mm-hmm. and had some fun with that, but I kind of just left it alone. Um, and it was only really recently through um, a, a medical crisis and, for lack of a better term, a psychedelic event, where <laughs> I, I kind of realized that I needed to do the things that mattered to me and not the things that mattered to everybody else. Mm -hmm. So these last two, two and a half years have really been kind of an interesting return to form, getting back in front of people, um, doing a little bit more singer-songwriter type music so that I could play all the instruments live instead of having to take a looper pedal or bring a band to create my experiences. and that's kind of led to what I'm doing. I won't say mostly now, but the stuff that I'm probably known more for now. So okay. last year I put out an uh, EP of primarily acoustic songs where I challenged myself to put an acoustic guitar in every song. Um, I called that project Strings Attached because corny <laughs> names are great. Um, that's good. So this year, I'm, I'm launching a few more songs that were a part of that project, a few B-sides that I've kind of had for a while, and um, I'm going back into the studio early in 2020 to record a few more things to finish up that project. So there's a lot of that kind of now, but then there's also a lot of good, fun guitar stuff that I hope you'll hear soon, too. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so so what's the the writing process been like? 
Like, do you have like um, a way you go about it? Do you? Yeah. So there's a couple of different ways that a song will come to me. And apologies if my dog all of a sudden, yep, there no, she no, is, pops it. her head into frame. <laughs> um, she's one of those ones who needs attention, I guess you could say. <laughs> um, so my writing process kind of comes down to where the idea starts. Um, when I'm writing music that has lyrics, oftentimes that kind of has to be the part that comes first, at least in the form of maybe a couple lines of a verse or getting together a chorus, because without knowing, at least to me internally, what that pattern is going to be, I haven't really figured out what I want to build my song structure around. So it, for things that are lyrically based, um, it's either a witty phrase or something that rhythmically just sounds good to say that leads to a lot more. Mm -hmm. um, if I'm writing instrumentally, obviously the words don't come first. Um, but there, one of my favorite things to do is pick up a guitar. I have uh, a couple of exercise books with little technical ways to practice and kind of improve my skill set. Um, and while a lot of them really sound pretty terrible when you're going through them, every so often you stumble upon this pattern of just making making like one, four, two, three across the, the neck of the guitar that all of a sudden runs into a neat pattern and you go, well, that's clever. Mm -hmm. And that often is the place that inspires a lot more of my instrumental music is kind of... Um, Am I allowed to curse a little bit? I just figured that out. Okay, cool, cool. Well, kind of just bastardizing the 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 exercises and the warm ups, and finding one that okay, if I move this a half step, it'll actually be melodic as opposed to terrible, and finding kind of your lead riff off of that. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really think so much in chord structures when I'm writing instrumental music. Um, I think more in kind of those physical patterns or a more riff-based method there. Hmm. Um, if I if I could classify what I do with an electric guitar as any genre and could invent my own, I'd call it swagger rock, where it's okay. it's way less about how complex you can make a thing and way more about almost, almost kind of Neil Young style, how few notes you can get to just wail on this one mm -hmm. thing and, and vibe. Um, so that's, that's been kind of the two different ways that, that most of my music created. That's interesting. Cause like, so w when you're writing music that you know is going to have a, a song over top of it or singing, you, you'll start with the lyric. Yeah. Right. So okay, I would have assumed that you, you would make the instrumental and then fit the lyric on top of it. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that for somebody who writes as much instrumental music as I do, that as soon as there's words, it has to start with the words, um, it is very, very astute. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> no, but it's it's smart because I, I, you know, I mean, I, I don't know what your writing process is like, but like, if you're so used to writing so much instrumental music, you might just like go into that mode, and then the yeah. then the song becomes an afterthought, you know. So so I think it's smart that if you know you're going to be writing something where there's going to be a song, then you you get that first, and then build everything around it. Thanks. I mean, I guess I guess I do that for the other stuff that I do as well too. Like if I'm doing uh, a beat or something, 
honestly, sometimes I'll even just use the loops in GarageBand. Like, mm-hmm. I always have to start with the drums first if I'm doing something that's looped or beat-based. So I, I guess it really does kind of... I force whatever I think the primary instrument is to be to be what propels the song. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, well, can you tell us a little bit about what you're going to be uh, releasing in the near future? Yeah, for sure. So, um, starting on January 3rd, um, I've got some songs that are going to be uh, finally released in a, a larger capacity. Um, finding Home is a part of my first release of the year that's coming out. Um, and, oh boy, there's another song on it, and I should know the names of the songs on my little single here. But what they are is these are some songs that I've had around for a number of years. Uh, Finding Home, I actually recorded <sighs> 10 years ago, believe it or not now. Um, I recorded it when I was in college going to school for music and uh, had access to just some late hours in the studio mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of really expensive microphones. So I wanted to find a way to obviously take advantage of that. Um, started out with a chordal pattern and then I ended up, instead of doing one lead guitar take, um, I screwed it up in the middle so I had to do another couple of takes. And instead of just comping together one big lead, I pulled the faders up and I was able to find kind of some happy accidents throughout where the different solos interplayed with each other to create a, well, the, the experience that I hope you and many other people get a chance to hear. Um, for singles, I always feel like you should put out a second song too, because even though I'm way younger than vinyl, there's, there's always the other side of the record. So, um, that's why I usually end up doing two songs instead of one, but clearly Finding Home is the one I really want you to check uh, so, out. So are they coming out both at the same time, or are you doing like one and then another one like a few uh, few days later? Really good question. So um, the first two are coming out A-side, B-side gotcha. on the same day, on the 3rd of January. Mm-hmm. Then I've got another similar song from The Vault that's going to be dropping in March. Mm-hmm. Uh, then by that point, I should have the three or four new songs that I'm working on, plus a couple other that are already in the can, ready to go for an uh, EP, kind of bring them all together mm-hmm. and uh, make something fun out of the singles and out of the, the new stuff. Um, everything that I'm kind of releasing right now is instrumental. Um, the rest of what I'm putting together for this project has words on it, so um, it'll be neat to kind of blend the old with the new that way. Gotcha. And will this instrumental stuff um, also make its way to the EP, or are you going to like separate the two? Uh, no, it'll make it onto the EP, so I think the EP is going to be about 50-50 vocals and instrumentals once it gets pulled together. Um, I've always done either all vocals with maybe one instrumental mm-hmm. or I've done all instrumentals with maybe one vocal if I really wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, but this will be the first time that like, I'm intentionally going to be blending both of those aspects. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see how it goes. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And you, you mentioned you went to school for music. Uh, where, where did you go? Yeah. 
So uh, I went to a school called Lebanon Valley College. Mm-hmm. It's around Hershey, Pennsylvania, so not that far from us, uh, where I was raised at least, and where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a smaller school. Uh, when I started kind of deciding to go to college for music, it was my grandmother, of all people, who mentioned LVC and said, this has been a music school since I was looking at colleges. You should go check it out. Um, I was a little skeptical, considering I wasn't sure how much the music program had improved since then. <laughs> um, but I found three studios, fully featured and equipped, built by John Storick, best known for creating a, a little studio called Electric Ladyland for Jimi Hendrix. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really amazing to not only have those facilities, but know, since it was a smaller school, that I was going to get to play with everything, even as a freshman. Mm-hmm. So while a lot of either trade schools or bigger music schools kind of make you wait until the end until you get the hands-on experience, um, I kind of got to do that from day one, which awesome. was really cool. Um, it, it was. It was really awesome. Um, they also made sure that the music people knew how to do music. So I, I auditioned and I got in on guitar. I, was, I had a scheduled trumpet audition as well, just in case. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of glad I didn't have to use it because I think I'd be a really different person now if I did. Sure. Um, but got through that process. There was a bunch of like, you had to be in a large ensemble group. So I sang in choir. I had to learn to play piano. I learned composition, mm-hmm. sight singing, the solfege, the whole do re mi thing. Mm-hmm. Like I can, it's been years since I've tried to even touch that part of my brain, but like it's in there and it's interesting. So it was, it was a cool thing to do. And so, so you went in for like a, the guitar program, but you just like used the studios that they had um, on campus. Well, more than just that, they also had a full program just for music recording. Mm-hmm. So you still had to have a primary instrument, but I went in with the intention of learning how to record. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So that was that was my big thing. After having a couple of gigs where the sound guys just did not impress me. I, I literally knew that I could do better. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents got me as a high school graduation present a little multi-track recorder that I still have. It's a, one of those like Korg hard disk, yeah, yeah. big blue one that has like eight faders on it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I I haven't turned it on in years, but I don't ever want to get rid of it because it's my first rig. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I wrote some of my first songs ever on that thing. Um, and then just wanted to continue to pursue that part. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a little ADD, if you haven't noticed. Uh, and I think it works really well for my music, especially when I've got a soundboard in front of me. Because I can either hyper-focus just on what that hi-hat is doing, or I can grab ten faders at a time and just know where they're all supposed to go because I'm, I'm just everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, this is, For better be little, or worse. <laughs> um, this might be a little more like a technical question, but do you prefer working with like a large format console or do you do more stuff in the box? So right now I'm doing most of my stuff in the box. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I prefer the box for a lot of reasons. I kind of have nostalgia for the big stuff, though. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, 
you can't have an undo button when you're using analog equipment. Right, yeah. And I, I definitely had a couple of experiences where I armed the wrong track and had to tell part of an orchestra, you're just going to have to do it again because I'm stupid. So, um, <laughs> so I really like the fact that there is kind of this undo button capability of digital. Mm -hmm. Plus, um, I, I worked for Apple for a stint, so I oh. got a sweet little MacBook Pro and I've got an Apollo mm -hmm. that I record into now. And the ability to just take that anywhere mm -hmm. so that if I want to get inspired in nature, if I just want to go home to my family, like I can do that and still have my stuff. Like for me, it's, it's so important. Um, I still have dreams though of eventually getting a board, mm -hmm. but I don't think I'd ever go back to fully using it for anything more than just, just kind of a flavor enhancer at this point because yeah. of how great, and how many more tracks I can handle in a computer without losing my mind. Yeah. I go back and forth on it, like, with for my studio, like, getting gear and then scaling back. And then it's like, do I really need this piece of gear that I'm not ever going to use? Yeah. <laughs> Probably oh. not. <laughs> but it would look it's, so sweet. <laughs> it's one of those things where... I don't know. I'm trying to use this as my new mantra for buying gear, is that if I buy it, it has to be able to make me at least as much money as I paid for it. Right. Is there going to be an ROI on it? Otherwise, don't do it. Even if it's zero, I'm still like, cool, I got a shiny thing and I didn't lose anything. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's I went from feeling like you had to have certain things to create a sound mm -hmm. to more wanting to just make my sound and be delighted by the tools that I could make it with. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. Um, no, so that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, I went to the reason I asked about the schools. I went to. Uh, yeah, did I, you go to a school for music as yeah, well? Yeah, I went to SUNY Purchase. Okay. Uh, it's in New York. It's like a small state school, but they have like a they have a really good music program. And I went for studio production. Oh, very cool. Yeah, so it's something similar, but I, I didn't know. Um, was it Le Lebanon College? The name of it? Yeah, Lebanon Valley. Lebanon Valley. I, I didn't even know they had a music program. <laughs> yeah, it, it, when I was there, they had a recording program, they had a business program, they had a music uh, pedagogy program. Then they had all like their performance majors. It was pretty wild. That's that's really cool. Um, so you're in Pittsburgh currently, correct? Currently, I am in Pittsburgh. That's correct. How long have you been there, and how do you like it? So I've been here like seven years at this point, and I – Pittsburgh's a mixed bag. Like, I really enjoy being here. I enjoy how kind of resilient and hearty everything is. Mm -hmm. But, um, man, I just wish we had some sunlight sometimes. Yeah. It's definitely – it's definitely motivated some of my, my moodier music mm -hmm. or sometimes the desire to stay inside and – play guitar instead of go outside and be cold and wet yeah. um, but I think you notice that about a lot of bands coming out of the Midwest that sometimes I mean I don't even consider me Midwest but mm -hmm. the, the further you get into places where the weather just sucks the, yeah. the more people will pick up a musical instrument inside and kind of develop some neat things mm -hmm. there's some cool stuff going on here is there like a, a good music scene out there 
So there's a couple of different music scenes out here, and I'm really happy to uh, recently become a part of one of them. So um, just outside of Pittsburgh, there's a smaller town called Novale. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like to Pittsburgh what you'd think of something like Fishtown is to Philadelphia proper, or maybe gotcha. going out a little bit further, but not quite all the way out to Newville. Mm-hmm. Maybe Glenside. But it's it's just, it's, I love it dearly. So I say this with all love, any Novalians who may hear this. It's, it's a little dingy part of town that, like, mm-hmm loves what it is and they've got a couple of really cool music venues um the biggest and best known one is mr smalls Mm -hmm. uh which you may have even heard of uh they might be giants wrote a song about the venue um it's it's a really cool place um it has uh, a large format uh auditorium standing room only where i've seen things like okay go and i've seen mood hooch recently and they do really cool kind of mid-tier or like big bands that are kind of on the way down mm-hmm. kinds of shows um but then they also have a smaller venue where you can find up-and-coming acts that also hosts probably the best sounding open mic in all mm-hmm. of pittsburgh They've got lights, they've got sound, they've got a house band, hmm. so you can really hear your thing come to life. And I've met so many people that are so important to me just through networking and hanging out and stuff like that. That's awesome. There's a, food's getting better there. There's a bunch of bars that also let you bring your, your music in to do stuff like that. And it's it's really cool. And then, there, there, obviously, other parts of the city have things too, but that's the one that I kind of... Mm-hmm. recently learned the best that's awesome do you perform out there often yeah i do um so there's uh an open mostly right now i'm just doing open mics I, since it's been so long since i've performed live um and uh starting to figure out a little bit more on how to get paid is part of why i'm here mm-hmm. um but I do usually end up playing at least once a week in Millvale. Uh, one of the, the mics is weekly. One of them is monthly. And I make sure I always hit the monthly one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are a few other places I try and stretch my time from occasion when I can. Right, right. Do you do, you do like, uh, when you perform, do you do like all originals or do you like mixing covers and stuff? Great. Um, it's a little bit of both. So um, sometimes what the the Mr. Small's Funhouse open mic does is each each week they have a host and they try and have a theme. So sometimes the theme is like one week it was a color. So I you know, I usually try and pick a two song spot so I can at least like show a little bit of breadth, get a little bit of like mojo going. Mm-hmm. Um I did an original for one song that had nothing to do with anything. But I have a really cool cover of Roxanne mm-hmm. by the police, yeah. which I play acoustically. I turn into like a lounge act song and I, I busted that out too. So it's, I don't know. It, it more tries to fit the mood. I've got a couple of covers that I've started playing mm-hmm. partially out of just desperation and need for material that had words that I could <laughs> do live. Um, partially, um, since I go almost every week, I kind of ran out of new stuff. And I was like, well, 
I can't play the same song five times in a row to the same people. I, I guess I'm going to learn a cover. Yeah. So it's it's kind of been out of necessity, but I think I've learned a, a lot from doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, my uh, cover of Roxanne. Oh, sorry, after you. No, no, you were saying you're covering Roxanne. I was just going to say my cover of Roxanne uh, exists. Uh, it's out on Spotify and Apple Music and all the streaming services. I did it with another local musician named Adam Fitz, who uh, actually I do a little bit of studio work for as well as one of his audio engineers. Um, oh, that's awesome. Well, speaking of studio stuff, you had also mentioned earlier that you also like mix. For other artists' projects, yeah. So, um, primarily, even more than playing my own music, um, I kind of lovingly think of my music career as the most complicated advertisement <laughs> for the fact that I mix and I master audio for for other artists. So, I've gotten a couple of gigs from going out to the open mics and people liking enough the style that I'm playing and personality wise, they ask what else I do. And a few of those people have turned into me being on one of their YouTube channels, uh, playing Roxanne and one of my original songs. Um, and then a few other people who just wanted me to check out their, their song and see what I thought. Um, about 60% of the time I can convince them to send the multi-tracks over to me after that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's really fun to take something that somebody's really proud of and make them even more proud of it. Yeah. So, um, mixing and mastering is really like my favorite part of the whole process. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's fun to do it for my own music. It's, it, I think it's more fun to do it for other people's. So I've been really starting to expand what I do in that regard as well. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I hate mixing my own music. I, I send it all out. <laughs> I can never get it to sound right. And then I just like end up just miserable and making it worse. The more I work on it. Oh man. <laughs> well, here's the way I feel about it. You, you, you only have so many shits that you can give for a project. You either give a shit or you don't give a shit. And when you run out of shits, then, then it all just, turns to shit after that. Mm -hmm. um, what I'm really trying to say is if I'm the person who thinks of the idea for the song, I play all the instruments on it, by the time you get to mixing it, you're so exhausted and sick of it. Like, yeah. you're not going to be able to do that. And I, I find that the same for my own music sometimes. So I'll put it away and I'll come back maybe a couple months later with a new set of ears and try and pretend that I wasn't the artist and treat it like I'm a producer and a, and a mixing engineer. But mm -hmm. it's way faster if I just work on somebody else's to get to that spot. Right. And, and that's, that's the thing I really enjoy the most. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think there's just like, you know, if you've been working on every little minuscule detail all, all the way into it, then like, you're not going to be objective anymore. Like you can't have that like you macro can't. view on the song anymore. Absolutely. And that's something that it was really new and interesting for me to work on as well is, is finding some of those collaboration points to, to get those other perspectives, to get more of that excitement and interest around those other parts. Mm -hmm. And whether it's me int introducing myself to somebody else's project or, or whether it's somebody doing a duet with me or coming in and assisting with stuff on mine, I don't really see it as a one-way street anymore where I used to. It it really is 
collaboration for a reason. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I think that's something that a lot of mixing and mastering engineers miss the point on, which is why as soon as you reached out and we're looking for people, instead of doing that thing that I'd normally do, which is go, well, that's not for me, and hide in a corner and be a mixing engineer and sit in my yeah. box, uh -huh. uh, I, I wanted to actively go out to put myself out there because I think that's something that I'll, not a lot of us, until you get to really like the the Greg Calbys, the the Lord Algies, like mm -hmm. those kinds of guys, that you really get back to realizing that they spend so much time out in front of other people because that's how you work with other people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, do you uh, did you send over the? Hold on a second. My cat is like scratching at the door. It's okay. I'm super impressed with how quiet my dog is being. I was pretty sure I was going to have to be the one to interrupt but first. The cat's been sleeping over here on the chair the whole time. I don't know if you saw it. I, I saw him stand up and was like, oh, wow, there's a, there's a cat. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, do you have like a, a studio you work out of or like, um, like a website that we can like list in the show notes for you? For sure. So um, – when it comes to studios, I do what the Six Figure Home Studio podcast refers to as the mothership model. So I have uh, like a little six by seven box at home. It's where I'm sitting right now where you can see some of my diffusers behind me where I'll do vocal overdubs, I'll do solo acts, I'll do most of the, the hard work of mixing and mastering something. But I have um, two different studios that I go to when I need to record. My buddy Dan, who I collaborate with pretty regularly on stuff, his name is Dan Yost. He's, he's also kind of active in some of the groups that we are. Um, he has, it's in his house, but it is an honest-to-God studio. Like, isolated control room, vocal booth. One of the nicest sounding drum rooms I think is here for the price in Pittsburgh or anywhere. And a bunch of gear for people like us to drool over. Yeah. Um, and I love working with him for stuff. My most recent uh, releases, all but one of them were recorded there um, just because of what he's capable of doing. He also uh, plays guitar and drums and is the drummer on some of the new songs you guys will hear soon too. Um, then, if you, I have a really big project and somebody like wants to spend the money and do it right, um, Mr. Smalls here, that they come back up again. Mm -hmm. They own a recording studio on a, a slightly different part of town, and I've got access to that as well, and uh, our radio station studio called The River's Edge, where I can, I can do some really neat things. Mm -hmm. So, again, this stuff isn't possible if if all you do is dig into your little hole, I've, I've met these people and kind of networked these connections to be able to, to expand what I'm capable of doing and kind of increase that potential without having to go into debt, which I'm pretty proud of. Yeah. You, um, you as for, be proud for that. <laughs> thanks. Um, as for a website, um, right now I'm actually in the process of revamping it. Uh, I have previously been using a different kind of fake name for a lot of my production to try and separate it from me. Mm -hmm. Um, due to some, uh, 
due to some legal issues um, and some individuals who I was kind of involved with, um, instead of having to pay out on somebody else for the fact that I was not the creator of that name, mm. I've since had to retire it. Um, so there's a website that's still out there that has some neat stuff on it, but really the big thing that I'm doing right now is kind of refocusing on my uh, Facebook, my Instagram, and my Twitter to just both say funny and asshole-ish comments out yeah. on the internet, but also have a neat place to share stuff. So I'm kind of rebranding, at least for right now, under The John Wolf, T-H-E-J-O-N-W-O-L-F-F. So and is that hopefully like none of your fans... Like Instagram and everything? That's on Instagram. That's on Twitter. Um, if you look that up, you may even find some of my other sources as well. Um, but those are the two that I'm kind of focusing the most on right now. Okay. Um, nobody steal that domain. It's still available. So please let me have it. <laughs> snatch it up, man. <laughs> Just snatch it up and hold on to it until you need it. Really. Yeah. I know. I should. <laughs> it's probably going to happen tonight. Now that I've said it, I got to do something about it. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, I guess one of the last things, uh, or a couple of last things, is like, so for indie artists, like making music is obviously the super fun part of it. Yeah. The, the grind is promoting it, marketing, and like, you know, making making all the time and effort we put into this stuff like worthwhile yeah. and get some return on us. Um, what's some stuff that you are doing for this release to help promote it? Aside from this, of course. Of course. Well, I mean, so that that is a really good point. And I think something that when I was in school, I didn't either, it either wasn't provided for me or I just wasn't paying attention to the fact that there's a reason it's called the music business and not the music, do what you want and people will throw money at you. Yeah. You really do have to make sure that you're treating it as a business and, and focusing on those things as such. So, um, the things that I'm doing going along with this release, first off, this release isn't the main event. The fact that I'm breaking this up into having a couple of A-side, B-sides, having some singles, and a few other teasers that are going to be coming out, both in audio and video form, to kind of ramp up to something like this, this is, this is only the beginning for what's going to be either a really long EP or a really short album coming out let's call it right now late summer early fall in 2020 so this is really part of the big ramp up to something like that gotcha the other thing things sorry that i'm doing to help out with this um i am going to be kind of getting back with adam about seeing whether or not i can get back on his podcast for a song that i've done some video on before um i am starting during my little live spiels that I do and some of the open mics here throughout Pittsburgh I'm mentioning these things the big thing though that I, I'm really trying to focus on in the next phase of getting this part started is is looking for the people who influence influencers so like there there are playlists there are reviews there are other things that you can find other than just throwing your music out there and hoping that somebody hears it. So I'm, I'm really trying to take a more proactive approach with something like this now that I really feel more focused on it and trying to find those places that I can do that. Um, here in Pittsburgh, uh, again, 
it's it's an interesting market because of how like loving it is, but also how close it is. Mm-hmm. So I think the big thing that I want to try and figure out is how to is how to share my music without having to physically be there. Mm-hmm. Like I've got a pretty good like recognition in in Pittsburgh. I've got a solid following in Philadelphia. And again, like you, you kind of get that where you're from. But instead of going to get everybody in Pittsburgh to know who I am, like my next big focus is, okay, how do I get Cleveland to think about this? Or for some of my stuff that's maybe a little bit moodier, like maybe I, maybe I should find a way to get into the Midwest. Um, I've had a little bit, bit of success with some, some Facebook marketing that I, I kind of do on and off. But, and it is, it's a business. I, I just need to take the time to focus, invest, and make sure that instead of just doing it like it's a one-off, like making those consistent practices to make sure that I ensure these, this thing goes forward. Yeah, and another person I spoke to on the podcast brought up a good point. Same thing saying, you know, it's a business. But you have to treat like yourself as like a brand too. Like the reason we know what Doritos are is because we see it all the time. So like you got to be consistent with your marketing too. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Well, and I think the funniest thing about all of this, if you really want to step back, is is the marketing that I'm going to be doing around this music is actually kind of almost like sub-marketing for me. Since the big thing that I'm most excited about is sharing how I can create sounds for whether it's for me or for other people in the, the mixing side. My whole music career is almost the advertisement mm-hmm. in a weird way for the other thing. So yeah. it's, it's interesting having to think about how to advertise the advertisement. <laughs> I don't think I've heard anyone that's doing that, <laughs> you know, doing like the artist thing to get, you know, uh, work from other artists to mix their projects. Yeah, it's 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 not really for me about my John Wolf sound. It's about creating the John Wolf sound that other people go, I want to sound like that thing. Mm-hmm. Cool. Hi, would you like the person who made that to do <laughs> yours next? Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah, it's who knows if it'll work, but it, it's definitely like my big inspirations musically for why I want to do this are, are guys like Mark Ronson. Mm kind of the chain smokers a little bit kind of a little bit like the daft punk and massive attack kind of things mm-hmm. where like they're not really known for being those individuals or even you could kind of say the gorillas people aren't like damien albarn oh my god they're like oh it's the gorillas like so i'm kind of taking that approach where like mark ronson started making music for himself and he'll occasionally throw an album out there but like really the stuff that he spends most of his day doing is somebody else's music. Yeah. And I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So what does the uh, future look like for you? What are the next, uh, the next month or six months or year look like? Well, I mean, I guess there's two different ways to look at that. Um, specifically project wise, I'm booking a couple other acoustic gigs to work with and do some mixing and mastering for. I, have an interesting rap niche that I've developed where even though it's not my music, there are three or four uh, Pittsburgh rappers 
who I do some production work for. So I'm going to be finishing, honestly, probably two albums with one of these guys, one with each of the other two. So it's it's really fun for me, especially in those situations, to, to do something that is completely outside of what anybody expects me to. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I'm sure my neighbors always get concerned when they come over, like, who's, who's in John's house today? <laughs> but it's it's just a mutual respect of music and wanting a badass final product at the end of the day when you get everybody in the studio. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's wonderful. Um, most, uh, I guess the only other thing I can really say is I'll definitely have my damn website up in the next three months. That should be the next three weeks, let's be honest. Um, everything else right now is kind of up in the air and we'll see how it goes. A-, a lot of other things are changing in my life, so I I may have to focus a little bit more on some of those things mm-hmm. than, than just on music. Like, my studio is going to move. I'm going to be physically relocating from where I live right now. I'll probably still be in Pittsburgh, though. Oh, gotcha. Um, But it's going to be kind of a whole new reinvention of sorts with that, too. Mm -hmm. So So here's the 2020. Yes, when's the move happening? Well, um, we're putting the house that I'm currently in for sale in February, so... Um, whether it happens in like March or how long it takes to sell this thing is, is kind of part of that. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, it's, it's common. Yeah. It's common. (laughs) Well, shit. Um, so I don't want to keep you on your Friday. So, uh, where can, uh, where can people find you? Like, where's the best place for them to, to reach out and say hello? Yeah, for sure. So, um, right now, I, I'd honestly say the best place to reach out to me is on Instagram. Okay. Find the John Wolf, J O N W O L F F. I like to jokingly say it's the easiest name to say, it's the hardest name to spell. <laughs> but yeah, find the John Wolf on Instagram or on Twitter. Um, posting videos of music, posting videos of cats, posting videos of all kinds of things in both of those locations, as well as mm-hmm. my silly quips about life. Um, if you mention that you saw me or heard me on this podcast and went, hey, he seems to care a lot about mixing music. Maybe I should ask him why. Uh, make sure you mention this podcast and I will make sure that you get a special something from yours truly over here in Very John cool. Wolf Production Land. So definitely mention the podcast and I will, I will hook you guys up. Don't quite know how yet. I think that's going to be more project-based. If somebody wants to do a whole album, maybe you get mastered for free. Mm-hmm. If somebody has one song and they're not sure what to do, well, obviously the consult's on me, but maybe I'll throw an extra guitar solo in there to spice it up. Well, it's <laughs> it's really about, I think, building that relationship. So let's, let's build some relationships. Cool, I love it. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you again for for doing this. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Uh, It was really great to get to meet you digitally and do this with you. And yeah, next time on East Coast, let's grab a beer. For sure, man. (laughs) All right, thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you got something useful out of it. If you did, please like, subscribe, comment, and share this series with your friends. If you like the artist and want to check out more of their work, please go to the show notes at 
vrtigomusic.com slash about to drop. Thanks again and stay tuned for the next episode.